This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Rust Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Trey Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. This is your real WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening to this. You're to, listening to. And you are listening to. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the Masked Man Show. 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 Welcome to the Masked Man Show with Kazim. That's a nice ring to it, huh? The Masked Man Show with Kaz. That's more of a morning radio look. The Masked Man Show (laughs) with Kaz. Um, (laughs) You know, there's been some morning radio uh, wrestling podcasts crossover before, so I guess we're doing okay. Um, Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, Sorry we weren't here last week. We have suffered an incredible loss uh, with my hill producer, Jim, moving on to greener pastures, uh, or at least potentially greener pastures. You know, gambling's all up and down, but... (laughs) Uh, We have reconstituted here. Kazim is here as he has been of late, and we have a new producer, John Kerma, uh, who will uh, who actually watches wrestling, which is a huge get for the ringer. And uh, will will chime in whenever he feels it's necessary to chime in. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about today. We're going to do something that I I pledged we would never do, which is talk about ratings. Uh, ratings are a story now, so we're going to talk about it. We're going to we're going to just get our get everything off our chest, and then hopefully table that conversation for a while. Before we get to that conversation, though, two big notes to hit on this week. One, there's chatter. It looks to be confirmed chatter that SummerSlam chatter, chatter. might be taking place. Looks to be taking place at the Amway Center in Orlando. I guess this is the this ties into the ratings conversation a little bit, but before we get there, does this matter? Are you excited about this? Is it cool that we're going to be leaving the confines of the performance center and going to a giant basketball arena with nobody in it? Yes, yes, one thousand percent. Yes, absolutely. I love the college try, the effort that the WWE has put together with the performance center, and they've gotten more than their money's worth in the investment of building it. And you know, in addition to just being able to train, you know, their stars of the future. I mean, like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's already paid off. I mean, like a, a pandemic hit that nobody saw coming and it kind of paid for itself as far as like being able to have pay-per-views and Raws and SmackDown and NXT. But I'm kind of at the point where I'm a little sick of it. You know what I mean? Like it, it almost feels like, and not for nothing, if there wasn't AEW going on and that show, the, the stark contrast from that, not just AEW, just like all professional wrestling that's still on TV, like Impact, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT. A lot of the shows just kind of feel like sitcoms, right? They don't, they don't even feel like living, breathing, oh my God, anything can happen. Like that whole, you know, 
and maybe that has to do with just the surroundings, but that whole variable of what's going to happen next yeah. kind of seems like super duper controlled inside the performance center. And that's it's no fault of the WWE and no fault to uh, the stars and I guess the, the, the NXT trainees in the crowd, because, you know, it seems like they have like a big applause sign or a big <laughs> chant sign, like as the shows are going on. But I mean, like they need to do something different. They need to do something to liven up the shows, even if it's in an arena where you only have a, a handful of people kind of spread out. You know, I feel like we've gotten to a point where we've seen uh, what sports can look like post, uh, not post, well, you know, during this, this pandemic. And knowing that we've seen what AEW has done, and granted, you could say what you want about their show. I feel like that's all kind of relative and all kind of feels like uh, subjective to how you like enjoying shows. But that show just feels a little bit more alive to me. It just feels like there's more things going on. It feels like a living, breathing show, whether it has to do with the open air kind of atmosphere, whether it has to do with like the crowds and you know, the, the live, you know, kind of feel for it. Like it just feels different and WWE needs to do some different stuff because I'm not just the only one that's kind of starting to get tuned out. I mean, I guess that's why we're actually talking about ratings. We're, we're breaking the rule that we've sworn to never break on this show and talking about something that in the grand scheme of things may not mean anything, but can also mean absolutely everything, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, cause this is, this is a business at the end of the day. So if things are trending downwards, trending in a different direction, something's got to change. I totally agree. I, I'm excited to see WWE uses an opportunity to sort of reinvent the look too. I mean, because listen, I mean, they, like you said, credit to them and credit to AEW too. They found, they figured out what, how to make the space they have work, right? I mean, they, they, they've made it, it does feel a little bit sitcom-y at times. I will, <laughs> I will give you that, but it, but it's, yeah. you know, they, they've done the best of what they could, but I mean, that's not true. They've done fine with what they have. They haven't done, it, it, it's never felt like they really fully found the potential of what they were doing, you know, this new world, right? They're trying to do mm. the old thing in, in the new space. And so maybe this is a good shot in the arm. Maybe this is a good way to battle complacency. Maybe they get to try some stuff they should have tried the first time around. I mean, none of us knew how long this was going to last, right? And yeah, so yeah. you got to give, I mean, we've all been through things like this in life and I'm not going to try to draw any like ridiculous parallels, but like it's really easy to get 50% of the way there and then just be like, well, it's going to be back to normal soon enough. There's no reason to try any harder. And mm -hmm. then it lasts for four months, five months, you know, it keeps going on forever. And you re look back and you realize, well, shit, I haven't done anything interesting in all that time. So yeah, not that I, I, haven't done like, anything. I feel like WrestleMania was, was really interesting. I feel like, you know, the first time they were doing the pay-per-view inside the, the PC, I was like, oh, okay. Like this is, this is going to be a weird, different, you know, type of thing. It had Stephanie McMahon kind of like started it off and be like, hey man, shit's crazy right now. But you know, we're gonna give you this WrestleMania because the show must go on. Mm -hmm. And now we're like five months into it. And like the charm of being inside the performance center and the charm of not having a, a crowd trying to get themselves over, and the charm of almost everything that made like the first two pay-per-views kind of like fun is all gone. And to be fair, AEW, their chief competition right now has done a better job of being just a little bit more creative when it comes to just their space, just using what they got to kind of make the show feel bigger. You know what I mean? And now, you know, they're, they, they're, I don't know if it's officially announced yet, but being in the Amway Center gives the WWE a shot in the arm that they kind of need because I, 
And many like me have, you know, kind of tuned out. I mean, unless, you know, I, I, I guess we'll talk about Raw Underground later as well, because, you know, just the idea of moving somewhere different and doing something different outside of the four walls of that performance center seems like something that needs to happen. And, you know, going with SummerSlam, the second biggest pay-per-view, bringing it outside of the PC and doing something different here and making it feel a little bigger feels good to me. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get some sort of normalcy back to what a WWE show or what we're used to seeing from a WWE show. I feel yeah, like I mean, there's no normalcy on the one hand and, and you know, just newness on the other hand. They've got to find a way to keep it fresh. And, and you're right. A lot of the if there was any any kind of charm to the new situation, it's definitely been wearing off. And it's also good for them to say, you know, this is SummerSlam. You know, this is a big event. And we're going to do something different one way or the other, you know, even if there's not fans there or whatever. I mean, we're just going to we're going to we're stipulating that this is this is a big deal. Um, and, you know, even in an empty arena, it'll be cool. It'll feel big. It'll feel different. Uh, and, you know, I'm excited to see how they make it work. It gives you a reason to tune in. You know, I mean, they've kind of I think that's the best way to kind of look about it, man. Like I, it makes me feel like if you don't watch Raw, you don't. Don't watch SmackDown. You don't watch NXT. You can catch the highlights literally on Twitter and Instagram, and you don't feel like you've missed a thing. Bringing the show, one of your bigger shows, your flagship shows outside of that, gives me a reason to pay attention. Gives me a reason to lock in and watch. So I'm, I'm just interested in how that setup is going to be. I'm interested in how they're going to make it look. Like I know you don't want to make everything empty. I'm sure they're going to fill up some parts of the crowd. Like I'm sure they're going to have pyro and have long ramp entrance ways and they'll probably like, you know, bring back, uh, you know, the, the Titan, we still call it the Titan Tron, the Giants, yeah, whatever. You know, whatever it is. Like, you know, it feels like there's, I feel like now they have the opportunity and they have the capital to kind of pull off something that no other wrestling company can compete with them with. And that is being able to, you know, license a, 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 a actual basketball arena to host their show. And um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it works. Really I said good. this long, long ago when this thing first started, but like it really, I mean, the NBA has proven that virtual fans are possible, right? I mean, would it be that much of a stretch to yeah. pipe in some virtual fans of this place? And then, I mean, you know, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything, but wrestling organizations have been piping in, have been sweetening the crowd <laughs> reactions for long enough. Now you've been on the inside. I don't know if WWE really does this on the regular or whatever. It does seem like they do some stuff in post-production uh, pretty frequently, but you know, I wouldn't be I mean, averse I know to there's them just... cues. I know there's yeah. cues when, like, you know, when John Cena hits the ding, 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 and the volume just kind of gets like super loud out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like it don't matter where you are, he could be in the middle of 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 Kuwait, and <laughs> like as soon as John Cena turns around and throws up those those three fingers on each hand, that volume's gonna get louder. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, oh my god, where where'd that come from? So I won't well, necessarily call it piping noise. I would call it, you know. Let's well, whatever they, whatever they do, they have the ability. I have confidence to make yes. some, to, to to make it to make a completely interactive experience with no real fans, right? They could put digital fans out there. They can make the noise happen. I wouldn't be opposed at all to them faking the whole thing just to like see what that feels like. Like, let this be the SummerSlam of experimentation. Uh, I'm I'm all about it. Uh, before we actually move on to the ratings discussion, which we tease, we have to say uh, because we didn't get to last week. Farewell to. Uh, one of the greats, uh, Kamala yeah. James Harris, Sugar Bear James Harris, uh, passed away. He'd been suffering um, 
various illnesses for a long time uh, and 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 died this week. Uh, we, we had a piece up on The Ringer by Oliver Lee Bateman about it, which, which I was really proud of. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sure I, uh, most people... Kaz, you can speak for yourself, but I'm sure most people around our age have a pretty similar, you know, exposure to Kamala as I did. But I, but I just remember watching him as one of the last real territorial monsters because I saw him on just about every in every promotion and like you know Memphis wrestling all the way up to like main eventing against the Undertaker, you know, whatever in the in 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 his later run in WWF. Um, he was everywhere, and you know he was played for comedy a good bit, uh, but he was mm -hmm. also just. You know, I mean, that's sort of the way the monster goes. If you stay around past your your first big feud, it toward, it usually turns towards the silly, or it sometimes does. And and um, but he was scary as hell, man. When I first saw him, and uh, you know, they it's it's a little bit hard to have a conversation about Kamala without just stipulating that this is like you know one of the most just racially offensive characters in wrestling history. But oh, one thousand percent. I'm I'm glad you brought up you know his uh his 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 history as like a territorial beast, right? Like he was almost like the black bruiser Brody where, where mm -hmm. you know, he was one of those guys that we all just kind of knew from all sorts of territories everywhere that you kind of think of. And, you know, for the masses, people like myself, I mean, I'm, I'm a little younger than you, I think. So like my first exposure to Kamala was, you know, being on WWE and him being like this African, you know, Shaka Zulu sort of, you know, very offensive, but like for the time, I didn't know really how offensive it was character, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, he did scare the hell out of me as a child, but like I am African and, and Nigerian specifically. So, you know, when you're younger, you always kind of watch, try to watch people to that you want to kind of like emulate and, you know, people that you can kind of relate to in, in pro wrestling. And, you know, it didn't have a, a ton of those. I mean, like that's kind of a weird, it's, to be like a black wrestling fan, it's 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 such a give and take as far as like knowing, you know, what you're watching, what you're consuming and like the super duper racist history about a lot of it. But um, Kamala was absolutely one of those examples that just kind of made me sort of wake up a little bit to just like how deep it really was. Mm -hmm. Right. Like a lot of my first favorite black wrestlers were like Ron Simmons and, you know, uh, Coco Beware and, you know, Junkyard Dog. Like, but, you know, outside of like Ron Simmons, everybody else is kind of like a caricature or something, which was kind of par for the course in WWF. Everybody mm -hmm. was a character. It wasn't sure. just guys that were just like, you know, I'm just this ass kicker like now. You know what I mean? Like everybody played a role. And the early 80s and 90s, I mean, the late 80s and 90s, the, you know, WWF was no different. And Kamala... You know, given it kind of speaks to his supreme talent, like given a, a, a gimmick that was just not even really him. That was so completely just like stereotypical and just like just very, very like just flat out racist. Right. He took that chicken shit and turned it into chicken salad because, you know, he had some great runs. He had some great runs with Hulk. He had some great runs with The Undertaker. Like he had some, you know, real monster ability as like a top heel you know what i mean like it wasn't super long i mean like i feel like i remember him around the same time as like i feel like and i could be wrong on this so you could definitely correct me here he was like the last monster heel i saw before like yokozuna really came 
and mm-hmm. was like the monster heel of monster heels, right? Another right. racist stereotype for somebody who was you know, yeah. <laughs> playing a role that wasn't really them. But, um, you know, Kamala was, was, was like most black wrestlers, man. Like they, they take what they're given because a lot of times, like they probably didn't have the stroke to be back there. But like, hey, man, this is kind of offensive. Or, you know, I don't really feel comfortable doing this. They do what they got to do to feed their families. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, as a black wrestling fan, it's absolutely a little bit hard to stomach sometimes uh, some of the things that we just kind of deal with. And even when you grow up, you, you're a little bit more uh, aware of how fucked up it was back then or messed up it was back then, part of my language. But, you know, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible that Kamala was given so much of that but still turned it into something great. It's, it's, it's sad that he passed away. Anybody who's seen his, his, uh, his GoFundMe link, go check it out. Shout out to uh, Chris Jericho, who put in like, a pretty large donation mm-hmm. to his family. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard, man. Like, it's, it's, it's hard to see wrestlers you grow up with kind of pass away because they all kind of have, like, unless, like, you're a megastar, they all kind of have, like, that sort of similar sad ending where, you know, yeah. there's... They need to go fund me. They need people to take care of finances. And, you know, they've been out of the limelight for a long time. So, you know, it's it's hard, man. But, you know, rest in peace to Kamala, uh, James Harris, for people who uh, followed his entire career. And, um, yeah, man, that's all I got on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the story, the, the, the gimmick was famously created by Jerry the King Lawler down in Memphis based on mm-hmm. a painting by Frank Frazetta. Uh, fantasy thing and 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 uh according to kamala himself uh, he wasn't you know offended by it although you know lawler supposedly was worried that he would be but come but but james harris kamala did sort of quickly pick up on the fact that it wasn't just the gimmick it was the i mean lawler was you know deliberately tweaking the fans sort of racial sensibilities with the whole thing to sort of get kamala over as a heel and 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 he was aware of it, you know, and he was like, all right, well, that's that's part of storytelling. That's part of this part mm-hmm. of the job, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and certainly, I mean, one of the ongoing sort of the ongoing refrain of his career was, you know, not separate from the kind of racism in the character was what he perceived to be a sort of institutional racism where he well, I don't even know if he would have used those words, but it sure looks like that from the outside where he was underpaid everywhere he went, you know, and he left a lot of a lot of gigs sort of spur of the moment when he realized he was getting underpaid you know he would say if he would ask to be paid commiserate with the other people he was in the ring with and certainly had good relationships with people like ultimate warrior of all people and hogan and and you know throughout his career who were trying to encouraging him to get what you know to to demand what he was worth but mm-hmm. you know he never seemed to get what he thought he deserved what he did deserve and and um ended up you know that was i think explains a lot of his itinerancy you know moving around and but anyway you know he had a good career he had a fantastic career. He had a very uh, noteworthy career, and it, it kind of speaks to just everything that happens with you know black people, people of color in many entertainment industries. Man, like a lot of times we're scared to kind of like we're scared to tell. Oh, okay, this is how much money I'm making. I I, I got to keep it a secret. I can't tell mm-hmm. people this. I can't tell people that because you know this is how people kind of get over, and it's it's worked for centuries at this point you know what i mean like it's especially right now um where you you see the kind of the the way he paved as far as just black wrestlers and being talented as he is and right now there's probably more black wrestlers on television than i've ever seen in my in my entire life um and and talented wrestlers and being you know put in positions to succeed 
you know, there's always those stories of, of why it means so much to us when like a Kofi Kingston wins a world title, when Keith Lee wins an NXT title, like when all these, you know, black wrestlers that we watched, you know what I mean, growing up, not, aren't caricatures of themselves. They're just themselves turned up to the next level. They're putting as stars, as baby faces. They're not to be feared just because they're big and black. Like, I forgot, I think Michael Hayes once had a, a, a quote where it says, you know, if you're a black wrestler back in the day, your gimmick was that you were black. <laughs> and, you know, now, uh, you know, it's, it, it's really why we get so emotional because we've seen people like Kamala and many before him, the, the BS that they've had to deal with just to get to this point. So, you know, the, the road isn't always paved easily. It's, it's paved with like the blood, sweat and tears of people like Kamala. So, you know, if you call yourself a wrestling fan, definitely, you know, throw one up in the air for him and his family. And, uh, you know, let's continue this progression in 2020. Well, he, you know, he crossed paths. He was trained with, with a lot of, uh, really notable, uh, uh, black wrestlers in his career. He was trained in the beginning by, uh, Partly by Bobo Brazil, it's a huge name, mm -hmm. and ended up, and did a huge uh, run in in mid south with Bill Watts, who was obviously, you know, uh, kind of created Junkyard Dog and was there in WCW for Ron Simmons' big championship push and everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it's it sounds sort of cliche to say, you know, every time one of these guys passes on, but I would love to see Kamala in this day and age, man. I mean, he was. You know, he had a, so much athletic ability. We all remember him like just jumping over people in the ring, and he could, you know, hit a good drop kick. He body slammed Andre the Giant famously. That that mm -hmm. gift's been going around like crazy. I mean, just I just to imagine him dropping the gimmick and turning babyface in 2020. You know, as a young man would just be a, a sight to behold. But anyway, R.I.P. Kamala James Harris. He was one of the greats, man. I've, I've, I've I'll always remember him. A thousand percent, definitely. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED highlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everybody loves game shows. Everybody has a podcast. I've got both. Hey, everybody. I'm Kyle Grant, and my new show, 10 Questions, is a game show talk show. Athletes, movie stars, everybody will come on, not just to talk. They come on this show to compete. 10 questions that, whether they know it or not, are somehow inspired by a moment in their life or their career. 10 questions, 10 points, so much fun. Head over to Spotify and please subscribe to 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. Uh, so let's move on. Let's, let's have this conversation we've been, we've been uh, promising we're going to have. Let's talk about Oof. ratings. Everybody wants to talk about ratings. Let's talk Listen, about it. Let's you're talk a wrestling about fan. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you worked for WWE for a while, but you're a wrestling fan first and foremost. I'm a wrestling yes. fan first and foremost, despite writing and podcasting and all this stuff. When I was, you know, I guess I was in college and and out for the Monday Night Wars, and and that was a, it was a lot of fun to to track the ratings back then. That was sort of part of the game, and I think that's what has sort of influenced this whole generation of wrestling viewing. People reporting on quarter hours and everything else. And I know they care about it on the inside. You can tell us more about that. But I'm not like, I don't care that much about the NXT versus AEW ratings battle, except how it speaks to the broader industry trends, right? Um, I don't care what Raw scores, except unless it means, you know, Raw is going to go off the air or something, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's all I really care about. Which but, doesn't seem to be the case. I think no, they just no, made no. like $90 million this quarter or something, something crazy like that or something. I don't know. I forgot how much money they made this during exactly. this pandemic, but they, they ain't missing no meals. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but the, but the broad strokes and correct me if I'm wrong, go something like this. NXT and AEW have been kind of going head to head. AEW's had the lead for most of the, most of the competition. Although, NXT has definitely picked up some, especially of late, has picked up some big ratings wins for like main events, you know, for big moments and stuff like that. It does seem like there's some people switching back and forth, which is sort of part of the tension, part of the competition that we're excited about. Um, the big thing that AEW's had going for it, and you will know this if you paid any attention to the Twitter accounts of uh, either AEW owner Tony Khan or <laughs> uh, former champ Chris Jericho. Uh, who care a whole lot about this, it seems, despite the demo like, god, yeah, the demo <laughs> god Chris Jericho. Um, and I should say, there's other big voices like Cody Rhodes who are saying the ratings don't matter, the content is what matters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the owner, the biggest name in the company, Jericho, care a whole lot about winning this demo, and that which is the mm. 18 to 40 or 18 to 34 demographic, um, you know, the key advertiser demographic, the, the thing that all the you know, anybody selling a car or a Slim Jim really want to target. <laughs> the AEW has been just destroying in that in that demo. And uh, the, the ice, icing on the cake, this past week, or I guess last week, it should be said, AEW beat Raw in the demo, which is just mm. not, they didn't beat Raw outright, but they beat Raw in the demo, which is, it sort of feels like it's enough, like that, like, like we could look back on that moment as being a sort of tipping point. I mean, I feel like that's that actually deserves some sort of giant notice. And, you know, Chris Jericho and Tony Khan have been touting that same thing on Twitter. What do you think? I, I think I think a lot of things with this, man. I feel like, okay, well, it's no secret that AEW is a new thing. And to go up against the big boys of the WWE, you're going to have to take your wins where you can get them, right? Like, there's no way you're going to outperform Raw SmackDown or outperform WWE when they have a whole network. They have, you know, decades of content to fall back on. They have decades of former wrestlers to fall back on to, to make sure that they keep you interested. So to even dream of taking down the empire is, is, is a, fool's, a fool's chore. But... To say that these demos aren't don't matter might be a little bit of a stretch, okay? So as far as them mattering, so when someone's saying like, okay, AEW beat Raw in the 18 to 36 demo, okay? You're saying, well, why is it important? Well, this is important because these are the, the this is for, for most of America, the buying public. Right. These are the people who spend the most money in America, people, t late teenagers to early adults, like 36 years old. Right. 
So when somebody is, if I'm Nike, just for a bad example, if I'm Nike and I want to sell some Nike shoes and I know Monday Night Raw is one of the highest rated shows on a Monday night and I got to put out a Nike sneaker commercial. If for some reason, AEW went head to head with Monday Night Raw and they were beating Monday Night Raw in a specific demo, yes, I can see that Nike might want to put some money, keyword, some money into promoting on AEW, which in turn increases revenue, increases more quality product. And, you know, once they have the advertisers and people spend the money on it, you get a much better show. My thing is this. We're talking about advertisers here. That's the only reason why these things are important. Mm -hmm. I refuse to believe that anybody worth anything is given the example of, okay, you could spend my money with World Wrestling Entertainment or All Elite Wrestling and not go with WWE. You know what I mean? Just as an advertiser, just as somebody who has proven track record of, of, of spending money and making the money uh, work for you instead of being like, you know, I'm going to take a chance on this like kind of new company. But trends matter too. Mm-hmm. And I think what really stands out is that, yes, AEW has consistently beat NXT in the Wednesday night ratings. And I feel like the only time NXT has even, uh, you know, given AEW a run for its money or beaten them is when they've given a little bit more of promotion towards a main event, like a Keith Lee, Finn Balor, Johnny mm-hmm. Gargano, three-way dance, winner fights Adam Cole, or, uh, you know, big NXT championship match, Adam Cole versus... Keith Lee, or we got Sasha Banks and Io Shirai, big Raw star coming in on there. Like that makes sense. But with a what AEW is doing really well is making those numbers matter. Okay, yeah. it's really easy to say right now that ratings don't matter because nobody. It, it's it's a it's the antiquated concept. It's an old metric that nobody really uses, which is true. Demos, however. It matters with the demo because if you're advertising somewhere and you're not making, you know, if you're not connecting with the audience, if you don't have that certain amount of people that are buying your product, it's like, what are you really selling to AEW customers? Like, what is the typical, like, Walmart, okay? Understood. Middle America, that makes sense. But if you're talking high-end concepts, high-end products, if you're talking about, like, liquor brands, sneaker brands, food, things that people spend their money on all the time, you're going to go with the proven product, which is WWE. But I say all that to say this. In a ratings war, what they're doing right now, AEW, and I got to give them all the credit in the world, they are changing the narrative. They are saying, you know what? Don't look over here. Don't look at this number. This number doesn't really matter. This, is, this, isn't, this doesn't make any sense. Nobody cares about this. This is what you need to worry about, right? And if there's anything that they've done a really good job at in the past couple of years, in the past year, I guess now, is not just giving people an alternative, but changing the reason why you get, go to this alternative, yes. right? Like when Impact was popping off, I would usually just watch Impact just because it wasn't WWE and it was mm-hmm. something different and I could get into it. AEW isn't just giving me something that's not WWE. They're making, they're hitting you over the head. They're not making any bones about it. Why you should be watching this, right? Like it's almost like 
in a way of saying it without saying it, it's like, listen, this is the real wrestling fan show. This is what the smart wrestling fans go to. Like, we're even putting you on game on why it's important. And you know what? You're part of this change. You're part of what's going to change up this entire industry and give, you know, the WWE a run for its money. And what they're doing right now is pretty good. Like, you can't, like, you can't front on it, man. Like, there's, there's going to be WWE truthers and AEW truthers and people that pick sides and say this and that and all that type of garbage. Like. I don't care for any of that. What I do care about is a great wrestling show and a great product and knowing that competition in any form of entertainment or any industry will always create great content, right? Like it it always has happened. The best WWE years is when WCW was on its ass every single Monday night. Yep. The best WWE years after that was when they were like, okay, we're a big company now. We're going to try and knock off Monday night football, right? Like mm-hmm. that's when they have, that's, that's who they think about. Like as far as like in my time over there, like when we when we were, when I was over there and, and worrying about what was on TV and what we were watching, and who was, what other people were watching. If you go into the production truck, there is your, your live feed of what's happening in on, on WWE. And then there's, a bunch of other shows of what's going on at the moment, right? So if it's a Monday night, you either get like an NBA game, Monday night football, uh, maybe like one of those like housewife things or whatever, like whatever uh-huh. is like, and, and like I think like a Fox News show or some news show, like it would literally be like what else is on at the same time that is maybe like top five or top 10 as far as rankings are concerned, right? They're not worried about being the biggest wrestling show. They have bigger fish to fry with the WWE. So making this an important metric for AEW fans is actually pretty smart because they're not trying to beat Monday Night Football. They're not trying to beat NBA on TNT. They're trying to beat WWE. Yep. And there's it's it's the whole it's the whole, you know, bait on the fish hook type of mentality, right? If you have something to chase at, even if you don't get it, if you get close enough, that's good enough for for what is essentially a startup company. And you know they've they've done extremely well. They've done better than I've expected. They're winning me over. I'm 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 not even gonna front. Like the first couple of months, I wasn't really into it. I thought it was a little too white for me. I thought <laughs> I thought it was a lot of stuff that they were saying that they weren't really like uh, uh, coming through on as far as like being a, a more diverse, a more woke company. Not saying I'm a woke warrior or anything like that. But if you come out and say that, I'm gonna want to see you know what you do and. I don't think they've really followed up on that, but have they put together a pretty good wrestling show? Absolutely. Like, have they, could they improve their women's division? Could they, you know, have some black guys on TV that don't lose except on AEW Dark? Absolutely. But it's, it's a crawl before you walk mentality. And I feel like they've earned enough of a rope for me to see where they go from here in the future. I like that. I think I think you put that all really well. They, I mean, they they did they redefined. I mean, they they, they they're setting their own expectations, right? And, right. and by their own metric, their ex, their expectations. I mean, they're they're sky high. Uh, they're, I mean, they're 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 doing really really well. And I think you know, but there's eventually, a lot, I mean, on. but eventually you have you have to change that. I mean, like it's good for it's a the demo is a great digital rah rah speech. It's mm-hmm. something to galvanize your fan base. It's something to galvanize your locker room. But eventually. 
you got to start hitting with the big boys. You got to yeah. start, you know, that's why the, the the tipping point this past week with them beating Monday Night Raw in a demo, which they've never done, is an important metric. It's an important moment. So, I mean, once you start winning consistently on, on the metric that you set for yourself, eventually you got to start boxing with the, with the heavyweights. You got to yeah. start, you know, you know, stepping up your weight class. And I think they're equipped to do it. But, you know, they're setting up their they're setting up their motives to make sure that it's not, you know, they don't they don't they don't make the same mistakes impact that yeah. same mistakes that other wrestling companies have had with trying to, like, go head on with the beast and getting their head chopped off. Yeah. AEW's been really smart with that. Yes, I, I totally agree. They've I mean, what's particularly effective, I think, about the raw raw part of it that you mentioned is that, you know, the fans that the fans that are going to care about this at all are going to be squarely in that demo, right? I mean, the, mm-hmm. the vast majority of wrestling fans who were like online and like seeing these articles about the wins being written and responding to like, you know, <laughs> links on, tw- on Reddit and stuff like that and, and, and Twitter are in that demo. And that's what makes it feel like it's really, really important to that kind of contingent of fans. I think the vast majority of fans who are not in the demo probably have no idea that there's a ratings war going on at all, right? Or that there, <laughs> there would be, that they're even close. And that's fine too. You're right, but but there's a, I don't know. Wait, John, can you pop on for a sec? Yep. This is just pure, like totally biased, bad mark. I mean, bad bad uh, st- uh, statistics. Uh, <laughs> y- you know, you don't watch AEW all the time. You don't watch Wednesday Night Wrestling all the time. But you but you keep up with everything. But if you were going to watch wrestling on Wednesday, or if you were going to watch one show in the week, and Kaz was just like. Dude, AEW is winning in the demo. Would that affect your like what you chose to watch at all? Absolutely, yeah. And I think with AEW, with a you know they have a couple familiar faces like Chris Jericho. That plus the idea of the ratings being better, that's more likely to get me to tune in to say NXT. And John, you are you are the key demo. Like you are the <laughs> guy that they are looking for. You are the you are within the eighteen to thirty six year old uh, demographic. So I mean. When you hear about this, when you hear Jericho, you know, driving on about it and Tony Khan driving on about it, like, does it subconsciously let you think, okay, AEW is for like people like me, but NXT and WWE, that, those are for kids and old people. Like, that's not me. Like, is that, is that something that like drives into your head? Or? Absolutely. Uh, I think before we were, we were recording, we kind of talked about how in 2010, when I was watching wrestling, I tuned into Impact because I was just kind of like, sick of just, I guess, the monotony and just kind of the same stuff with WWE every week. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like, I'll, I'll be honest to the listeners, this was my first episode of AEW that I watched, but I was, you know, thoroughly entertained in a way that I haven't been entertained by the WWE in a while. It, at least for me, it felt like that. All right. Well, there's your answer. I mean, I think that's all anybody needs to know. John Kermit <laughs> completely <laughs> won over by AEW. Um <laughs> No, you, are now, I, you are now the AW fanboy of the show. He's in the demo. He's a, he's the target. We should just start. We should just have our own demo, which is just what did John watch this week? Because he's got he's in the he's right in the sweet spot with his age. He's a he's a, a, a new full time ringer staffer. Congratulations, which means he's got more disposable income than he knows what to do with. This is true. He's going to he's going to be the one true. out there buying, you know, AEW action figures or whatever, you know, whatever food, whatever, like candy bars being advertised on WWE oh, TV. Yeah, the, so the Chris Jericho champagne, a little bit of the bubbly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll check in with you to see what you see what you like the best every week. All right, um, 
I do think that it's meaningful. And I think that as wrestling fans in particular, we're trained to over to like to care too much about it in a certain way, going, like I said, back to the Monday Night Wars. But, you know, it's it is a real thing. And for a company like AEW, they should be proud. They should be excited about it. They should be, you know, somebody on the somebody out there, the owner should be tweeting about it. People are reading the tweets, you know, like they they, you know, people this is a it's a meaningful thing. And the and the guys, whether or not this is like a meaningful thing in terms of like a week to week gauge of how good the show was, um, you know, they should be patting themselves on the back about it. You know, I mean, they're, they're they've got they're, they're fighting. They're the underdog, you know, so every little win uh, really counts. And absolutely. And, and it's a I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a big deal. Um, what's what's weird about it to me, though? Right. And And understood, like once. The Wednesday Night Wars were announced, and I, I think I was I was still at WWE. Like I remember actually like watching the first uh, AEW press conference, like after a staff meeting. Like we were just in the writers' room and say, like, "Yeah, let's let's turn this on." And we saw like Pac coming and Jericho and Cody and the Bucks and all these people, and I thought it was exciting because I've always wanted to be. I mean, granted, I wasn't writing for NXT, but. I've always wanted to be in the middle of a ratings war. I wanted to be able to be like, okay, like I, I want to be able to think about those times where I grew up watching Nitro and Raw and flipping back and forth and getting people to, to make those segments that make them change the channel or not change the channel or stay exactly where they are. And I think there's a little bit confusion with a lot of people when it comes to WCW and why they crumbled, right? Like, uh, granted, WCW 2000 has lived a long enough death to where it's become like an ironic favorite on the internet where like you'll see like certain like crazy WCW 2000 clips like from New Blood Rising and like, you know, all these like long forgotten moments where you're just like, oh, okay, like that's that's actually like it's it's an ironic like now, right? right? But it wasn't because like the ratings were in the tank, even though they were. The reason why WCW folded is because there was new ownership with AT&T and Turner. And the people that were on that own these places or that own these companies were like, eh, I don't think we want to be in the wrestling business anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't so much like, oh my God, these, these, these ratings suck so bad. We got to take them off the air. They were still, WCW was still one of TNT's highest rating shows. Monday Nitro was still one of the, the, the network's highest rated shows when it got taken off the air. It wasn't as high as it was before. It wasn't as high as its heyday, but it was still up there. Yeah. The thing was, the guy who ended up, you know, merging AT&T and, Tur- and, and Time Warner didn't want to be associated with pro wrestling. Didn't think it fit their new, uh, you know, the, the, the new direction that they were going with the company or the channel and all that type of stuff. Whereas WWE, they don't, they're at the point where they didn't really need that. And yeah. they've been in bed with USA Network for God knows how long. So yeah. it's oh, not forever. so much that they have to, yeah, forever at this point. So it, then there's never going to become, I think, gosh, USA Network might not even have survived if it wasn't for the WWE. Like they've been, the, it's been one of their flagship shows for as long as I can remember. But with, with Turner, I mean, like you got the NBA, you got all these classic movies, you got like original programming, like mm-hmm. you got a lot of stuff. And it's under this, this big, massive media umbrella that covers so many things, whether it's Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, uh, you know, Bleacher Report, um, all these big, big, successful media entities so now the 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 playing field is totally different now you're at the point where it's like okay like we can afford we can afford wrestling 
Like, it's not something where we got to like renegotiate. There's not this big merger happening. We got to renegotiate exactly how we want people to see our network and all that type of stuff. That's not why WCW went out of business. And that's not why, no matter how much ratings tank or, you know, things aren't as, as popping as they were, you're not seeing 6.5 or 5.0 ratings in anymore because, granted, we're just not watching that much TV as a people. You know what I'm saying? So like in addition to in addition to people kind of overreacting to ratings and like anytime, you know, the results come out, they're like, oh my gosh, WWE's in trouble, NXT's in trouble, SmackDown's in trouble. I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. The only thing that worries me when it comes to ratings and the WWE is SmackDown. Like now, SmackDown's a different beast to me. And granted, I'm, I don't know the entire details. What I do know is they signed, uh, I think, a five-year deal with Fox. And that's something that's up for negotiation at the end of the year, right? And they put a lot of money into WWE. It was a billion-dollar deal. So with that being said, that's the only thing where I'm like, okay, if ratings start to slip with SmackDown, and you know, in a couple of years when it's time to renegotiate that contract, and be like, hey, do you want to stay on Fox? Do we still want that national TV audience? Or are we just sending it to like another NBC Universal sort of like minor league channel, like sci-fi or something, mm-hmm. or, or or one of these things? That's the only thing where I'm like, okay, this could be an issue. This could this 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 could be something. Like what like that's the only and granted, I'm sure the McMahons and Fox Network are very close bedfellows, so I don't foresee that happening. But it does make me wonder. If things don't turn around in the next two or three years, do Fox feel like they got sold, you know, uh, well, sold some some wolf tickets? You know what I'm I mean? Glad that you that you took the conversation there because this is actually where it gets really interesting. And maybe we should have talked about this up top. The probably the biggest news in the wrestling world this week was that WWE hired Nick Khan, who was a gigantic agent, mm-hmm. uh, represented. Is that CAA, right? Yeah, we represented every, I'm not going to say every, but but you can Google it. Represented just about every like sports talking head that has made $10 million that you've heard of, right? I mean, he just, mm-hmm. he, he represents so many people and mm-hmm. had a real uh, significant role in WWE getting this Fox deal. Um, I don't even know how much is reported, so I'm not going to overstate it, but like he's he was working on that whole thing. The, and, there were um, bees, there were bees involved. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, there were rumors when WWE fired George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, seemingly out of nowhere, like on the verge, of, on the on the eve of a conference call or whatever, that well, I heard on the down, down, down low that like <laughs> that that Nick Khan was about to jump ship to WWE then, and something had happened at the last minute, and every and 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 then, so they just ended up firing the people and not bringing in the replacement, which seems so weird at the time. Makes a lot of sense looking back, but yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of the reaction from people that I knew when when that rumor was going around, people outside of the wrestling world was like, "There's no way he would make he would do that." I mean, this is like Nikon has been on a multi year journey to get all of the influence that he could inside WWE. But the but I thought it was he wanted his cut of that Fox deal and for future TV deals. But that's it. He just wants to be on the negotiating side. Now mm. he's full time WWE, which is huge. And what you were talking about a second ago was the Fox situation. Listen, there is a lot of you were talking about the different networks too. One of the big things with ratings has always been kind of transferability, right? USA Network is fine to have. I mean, you've seen we've seen over the years all the shows they've tried to pair with WWE. 
Nothing's right. worked. They've they've tried dramas that they were like teasing on on Monday Night Raw. They've tried other like sort of combat related things to put back to back. It's never really worked, and it doesn't matter for them because, like you said, they can go and say we get the highest ratings of any cable channel, so give us your ad money, right? I mean, they, it's good. It's fine for them if WWE is a one-off that doesn't lead viewers to watch the next show or whatever. But for a bigger network, you got to have something. You got to be able to say, you know, this is this fe- feeds into this. This has this matches this because, like with WCW, sure they were getting huge ratings at, at TNT and TBS, but they wanted the, the network. The new owners wanted a specific look to it. It's like if you got to choose between mm-hmm. keeping one pair of pants and throwing one out, you're probably going to pick the pair of pants that matches the most shirts that you have, right? I mean, that's what they were doing, mm-hmm. and. Ratings sort of go or sort of beside the point at that point. But what what Nick Khan and Vince McMahon and everybody was able to do when they talked to Fox and Fox was, you know, a a very willing participant in this conversation. They didn't get one over on him, but is that they made the case (laughs) that this was going to help. I mean, this was going to be part of their their weekend sports block. So this is how SmackDown fits in. They have football on Thursday and Saturday and Sunday, whatever. They have all this stuff. and, 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 And SmackDown fills this gap they had on Friday night. All of that is to say, the guy who helped make that case, Nick Khan, is now part of WWE. They'll be there making the case. I mean, and and they're gonna figure out ways, I'm sure, to keep boosting ratings because this is something they're all they're all in on. Um, and we can well, kind of table. One thing the- that does worry me about that is, and, I, and I'm sure you're gonna get to that point, was there's gonna be no college sports. Like, there's no college football this mm-hmm. year. I mean, they might be Big Twelve, but I mean that you're right. Like. When we first saw the the first couple of episodes of SmackDown on Fox, granted, that first episode had so much crossover. They had The Rock there. They had Cain Velasquez. You know what I mean? Like UFC on Fox had just ended. So UFC's on, on ESPN now. But, you know, they did want SmackDown to be kind of looked at as like this legitimate sport that leads us into like NASCAR on the weekends and college football and the NFL on Sundays and even... Thursday night football, you know what I mean? Like, but now we ain't got any of that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the pandemic no, kind of screwed up a lot of things. And, you know, even if there was any sort of college football, if I think the big 12 talked about probably just playing and, but you know, a lot of, a lot of big leagues, a lot of big conferences have said, no, we're not going to do any, any college football this, this fall. We'll, we'll try and do it in the spring. Whatever, whatever is, is left of what they're going to try and do with college football may not match up to whatever WWE pitched SmackDown sure. for, for on Fox. So that's what makes me worry. That's where I'm just like, okay, there's a high possibility that in the next four or five years, SmackDown goes back to either you know, USA or goes on Sci-Fi or some NBC channel. Unless, you know... Somebody figures out this pandemic, we get live sh- live cameras, live uh, audiences back onto sh- to shows, and sports continues to you know turn mm-hmm. up like like it's supposed to. But I mean, it's it's also better than nothing because if we know anything about the WWE, the show will go on. Well, while college football, as much as they want to lead it in the college football, maybe they're kind of looking at WWE now like, okay, this is like a redheaded stepchild that like is now our favorite. Because our actual children like <laughs> ran away from home. Yeah, right? well, like, I mean, I, I think that I think that it cuts both ways. I think that because there's no sports, and then wrestling has even more value in a certain way. And I think, but I think for I don't think anybody's making like too many rash decisions right now, except for WWE's, you know, uh, HR department. Um, but 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that what you're saying is real. But I think it's all gonna we're gonna see how this shakes out. I think the real story, and this is, to, I guess, to put a pin in this ratings conversation. Um, if the, the the turn, I mean, I think the interesting turn is gonna be what not not just what the ratings do, but the relationship with Fox moving forward, but also just. You know what? I don't want to be too conspiratorial, but you know Nick Khan is in that chair. He he got he did what he set out to do, which was get them a huge t- two huge TV deals. It was freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta mean, wonder. You gotta wonder what's next on his plate, right? Uh, he, he I, I don't know. There's been a lot of rumors about WWE trying to being on the uh, on the on the market over the years, and I've never believed a single one. But if one of those popped up now. Uh, Man, listen. After they I've, paid a whole I've bunch heard. of money to get the deal maker of the century sit in the front office, um, it would not surprise me. I've heard similar things, man. Like I, I've always, I know a lot of people have have kind of been of the train of thought that you know WWE is going to be owned by Vince McMahon until he croaks or, or kicks the bucket, right? Which is you know a safe bet, but. If there's any time, like, I feel like if there's any time to kind of like give this thing a little bit of a nudge, I think the XFL being sold kind of like makes this a little bit more difficult. You know what I mean? So like if the XFL popped off and Vince was like, you know what, I'm going to go run this football league now. I'm going to sell WWE for a couple billion dollars and cash cash out. I understand that. The difference here. There's no XFL. That's the Rocks thing. <laughs> so yeah. maybe, maybe those rumors kind of like temper off a little bit, but you never know. But you never know. I just got to say, I mean, this is, it does feel like this is going to be Vince's baby forever. But for someone who's been battling for the perception of legitimacy his entire life um, and his entire career, obviously, too, mm-hmm. it's not a, you know, we've all made our jokes about WWE films and WWE music and Ico Pro, like the, the World Bodybuilding Federation, all the different business ventures that that Vince McMahon has, has, you know, dabbled in, all with this sort of angle towards being more than just a carny, right? Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. an incredible amount of personal and business and worldly validation that comes with getting a check for like $10 billion, <laughs> or like whatever yeah. it would be, you know? Yeah. And, uh, Especially maybe as someone gets to the end of their last years, uh, I have this is not based know, on man. rumor, innuendo, anything I've heard. This is based on yeah. just broad extrapolation of you know general psychology. It, it wouldn't shock me either way. You look at you know the UFC. You know what I mean? Like they, when, once they they were sold, you know what I mean to uh, I think WME or whatever. Like you know that took it to. There's also such thing as kind of cashing out or, 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 or cashing your chips, right? What is time to cash them in, right? Like one could argue that the UFC might have been at its peak right before it sold. You know yeah. what I'm saying? When they were they were chock full of stars. They had the McGregors of the world, Ronda mm-hmm. Rousey's, they had Silva, all these guys. And then, you know, once they sold this WME, I mean, like, granted, if you're a super mixed martial arts enthusiast, yes, okay, you're still into UFC. But as far as star power... The star power of the company has definitely went down since they've sold the company. And that's maybe because, you know, whoever, whoever you may think is, is the star maker of that league, of that, of that fighting company, isn't there anymore. Totally a possibility. Um, there's also the idea that before then, that Reebok deal kind of like messed a lot of things up for individual performers to kind of like become a bigger name outside of just being the UFC and UFC wanting to kind of own everybody. I could see something similar with that, with that happening with the WWE. 
except in reverse, right? Like WWE owns everything. They want everybody to be within that bubble. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it gets sold, maybe if they make a deal similar to what the UFC did, it turns into something way bigger and way different. And maybe, you know, it, it, it takes it to the next level. Nick Khan's probably one of those guys, man. Like he's, he is a, he is an absolute, you know, game changer as far as like being on, on, on in that C-suite with WWE. So we'll see, man. Things are, things are still early. The ratings conversation is extremely interesting because as much as people just want to enjoy the wrestling and, and just be like, oh my God, there's two great companies. Let's just watch the companies and enjoy them. <laughs> It's a business at the end of the day. It is a business. Like as much wrestling as you like, the reason why these things and these companies fold and crumble is because they don't have a right handle on how to handle business. And this is important. At the end of the day, if you're not watching shows, people aren't spending money on ads. They aren't spending money on ads. They can't pay wrestlers. And if you can't pay wrestlers, you don't have a wrestling company. So it's that simple, people. Right? The ratings talk gets tired, but to act like it's not important, it's just, you know, it's, it's just simply not true. We got to get out of here, but we there's we there's a couple things we have to talk about. And I'm glad you mentioned UFC, which is to combat potentially their uh, this ratings uh, situation. To whether or not it's AEW they're fighting against, or just the general trends that are out there that you talked about before. Mm-hmm. WWE has done some rather interesting things uh, the past couple of weeks. One, they introduced Raw Underground, which uh, features. Shane McMahon basically playing Dana White, uh, and and I can't. It's a, it's a role he was frankly born to play. He's doing it, you oh, know. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 just spot on. Uh, whether or not you like it, that's he's doing a good job of being Dana. Um, and the other thing is this retribution angle, which feels a whole lot like uh, it could be really cool. Don't get me wrong, and I have my hopes. My hopes are high, but it feels like sort of. Uh, a gimmick in search headlines. of a what, what, what's the, what's the right way to phrase this? A gimmick in search of an angle? A gimmick in search of a storyline? Like it's it's a it's like <laughs> retribution seems like it, it sounds like something. It sounds like something like it sounds like Vince McMahon watched like Fox News for five minutes. And was like, God damn it, that's an angle right there. That's a great, <laughs> you yes. know. And they seem they seem kind of like Antifa light. You know what I mean? Like I, yes. I don't know if that's even the right term because. You know, just for my mental health, I've been trying not to watch as much Fox News or CNN as possible. But what it looked like to me was like a, a ripoff of Antifa and what's going on in the world right now. And I, this is pro wrestling. Like people who have an issue with that, like, listen, man, Hulk Hogan fought Sergeant Slaughter because he defected to Iraq in the middle of <laughs> Desert Storm. Like, re- like gimmicks have been ripped from the headlines since WWF began. And you know, not began, but you know, ever since they've exploded in the '80s and '90s and today, like I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the Antifa sort of retribution type of thing. I don't know who's going to be a part of it. Maybe there's no specific people, and there's masked extras every week that just come and just do stuff. But uh, what I am interested in is Raw Underground, and like I said at the beginning, um, there's so much monotony with that. With that. Uh, performance center and being able to just kind of be in the same sort of space for every single show, whether it's Raw, SmackDown, even when WWE was in actual arenas, certain arenas had their had different charm to it, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, like Madison Square Garden has like that small sort of entrance. So like they kind of come towards the middle 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Towards the hard cam, which is really cool. Like Seattle has the key arena that is basically just a souped up like high school gym. So like it's really loud in there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. every arena kind of had their certain personality to it. And with Raw Underground, it's given me something different. It's given people with literally nothing to do on TV something to do. It's gotten my attention. I wish they kept the, I wish they kept like the, the strippers this week. They took away the strippers for this for the second week in a row. I think it's a, it's a progressive thing to have strippers in 2020. Shout out to Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Uh, and I wish I could pull up the exact tweet. She tweeted. Oh, here we go. I got it right here. Okay, so, go for it. you know, Liv initially said, "Hey, Raw Underground, can we bring back the dancers next week?" which I'm assuming gets like a lot of flack, like, "Oh my god." Somebody responded and say, see, I personally wasn't pleased with the dancers because I felt that it was a rather large step backwards from the evolution. And Liv replied, we have come so far in the evolution and with no signs of slowing down. I don't think it's any danger showing beautiful women proudly dancing, parentheses, believe it or not, huge money making profession doesn't hurt anything. Empower all women. Boom. Mic drop. I love it. I feel like. If you want to empower all women, you got to have women of all shapes and sizes. It can't just be just one thing. If you're just pigeonholing women into like, okay, they're only athletes, they're only wrestlers, they're only this. Like, men can sell sex all the time in WWE. Now, I feel like the WWE has, they went so far with it. In the in, in the in the years we grew up in the early '90s and the 2000s and the Attitude Era, they, I feel like they went so far with it now that they they completely like you can't even they can't even mention a, a butt cheek. They can't even mention like any sort of minuscule amount of of sex mentioned on their television show. Whereas now I feel like you know we've come such a long way that you know we should be able to have a happy medium. This yeah. is real life. Like, we shouldn't be able to have, like, why not have ring girls? Why not have ballets? Why not have, like, yes, that we have a whole roster of incredibly talented wrestling women. Like, literally, the most that there is, the most that there probably has ever been. Mm-hmm. Having dancers during shoot fights, you know what I mean, that is clearly, you know, set up to be, like, some underground fight club type of thing. Shouldn't take away from the women's evolution. I thought Raw, I thought Raw Underground was really dope. It was really fun. It was different, um, you know. And I, I, I found it entertaining. I feel like this is something that the Hurt business could really capitalize off of and really turn into some some actual, uh, you know, really dope storylines. And my hope here is we eventually get the shoot fight that I wanted for years and years and years with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley <laughs> in Raw Underground. Yes. Yes. That is my that is my grand vision, and I hope it comes true. Oh my god! Very soon. That would be amazing. Well, listen. I mean, the whole conversation about the dancers. I mean, what you know, it's okay to be. It's okay to feel like you'd rather not see them, and that's fine. It's okay to want them back. It's. I mean, it, it certainly helped the argument uh, in favor uh, that when Shayna Baszler was there destroying people, um, that you know there can be different varieties of women portrayed at the same time. I mean, the big problem, the the, the greatest, the most offensive thing that WWE did with women over the years was just conflating the two things, right? That like every wrestler had to be, you know, a Maxim cover girl or whatever had to be like right. a stripper or what, I mean, whatever it was. Uh, and, but, but you're right. I mean, you, you can obviously make the case for, for the, for the women dancing on, it. I mean, especially if you're going to, if this is trying to look like a UFC fight or like an underground fight, I mean, if this was, you know, 
this is something we see in movies and whatever all the time. So, uh, you know, uh, your mileage may vary, I like to say. Anyway, you're right. There's a lot of opportunity for Raw Underground. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to, like, really jack the ratings until they get something in there. You're right. It's giving people opportunities who wouldn't have opportunities. It's obviously given Shayna Baszler and many other people new life with the just snap of the fingers. Um, and it would be really cool to sort of legitimize it with a... I mean, they could do a one-off pay-per-view that was there, right? I mean, really, and have Brock mm. Lesnar, Bobby Lashley headline it. That would be absolutely huge. I think there is a weird thing. Told this is probably really separate. That uh, that what payback? There's a pay-per-view that's like a week after SummerSlam as it's scheduled right now. So it seems like they're kind that. of they're they're, they're setting that. up either they're setting up something interesting. Who knows what that's going to be? I'll just say that you know. It's good to see them doing something different. And and Raw yeah. Underground might be a little bit backward looking in terms of like, you know, it, obviously UFC has been their competition for a while and they've been kind of, aside from Brock Lesnar and the guys they've taken from there, they don't talk about it too much or they say haven't until recent years. But I think there's a huge amount of potential. Uh, Retribution feels a little bit backward looking too. It's like, hey, let's do a thing. Let's get people talking. And then, I mean, we can't really separate it from the the hacker, the SmackDown hacker, right? Because it was like, this is a great gimmick that like they had no plan. It seemed like they didn't know what they were doing or it seemed like immediately the idea got yanked away from whoever was had a, the original idea. And mm-hmm. so let's just hope that Retribution turns out to be cool. I mean, we've seen a lot of gimmicks like this fizzle. Um, yeah. And I'm not yeah. sure what exactly we're supposed to feel when they like throw a cinder block through a plate glass door and, and scream like, yeah, look what we did. I mean, it's not, it's the, you know, it, it feels, it feels like, uh, honestly, it literally feels like Vince was watching like Fox news one day and was just like, yep, we're going to do that. This is how I feel about these, these riots going on and see, and like, it's, it could be a little offensive. It could be a little short sighted as far as like being like, okay, like, dude, this isn't like this, there's so many things. <laughs> there's there's so many layers with that, and I'm I'm hoping you know. Granted, they're they're probably gonna steer clear of any sort of like social unrest that's going on in the world because Lord knows they can afford any of that smoke right now. My thing is, I think it's a good idea to keep I, all of these things have led into the fact that like WWE viewers and fans have fallen very complacent in their viewing habits they need something different if it's a light flickering here and there if it's a a a car getting lit lit on fire if it's a cinder block going through a window it's something it's just something to break up the monotony here it is moves that transform like that type of will smith summertime breaking up the monotony man like it's just (laughs) we're at a point right now where we're almost five months into watching the same wrestling over and over in the the same sort of shoebox with with hockey hockey pane glasses or whatever and i just need something to 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 give me some variety something and you know even if it's different even if it's whack the first time like nothing's a home run the first time it starts nothing you know i mean like it's rare that wwe does something brand new off the rip and it works immediately. You know what I mean? So I'm willing to give raw underground some time to develop. I'm willing to wait and see where retribution goes. See if it hopefully ties in somehow with the hacker that kind of just fell off the face of the earth on SmackDown after the the whole uh, Otis and Mandy thing. Um, I'm hoping this all leads to something great because every year WWE like tries some shit. 
like in, around this time, like the little, the little doldrums after SummerSlam that takes us right into the Royal Rumble is always like the most weird period of their schedule. So right now is there's no time better than to just throw something on the wall, try and stick it out. And this is when they have crowds. This is when they have like full arena. So like now that they know, okay, like wrestling, you know, people aren't terribly interested in wrestling right now. And, you know, usually this is around the time where football comes back and basketball's in the air and there's all types of sports on TV that's taking away the attention from stuff. We need to have something set up and different by the fall. So we can keep interest in our product. So I'm willing to wait it out and see what they do with it. Amen. Uh, we got to get out of here. Thank you, Kaz, for doing this again. John, thank you for being uh, our producer. I will say one final cl- closing thought about retribution, which is the, the, the thing that bugs me in kayfabe is that you don't actually have to be a wrestler. Like anybody in the world in, the, in kayfabe, and the the late great Kamala can speak to this, can just show up and attack somebody and get a match. Like you don't have to break a window <laughs> to get a contract to make people listening to, to listen to you. You'd you'd be much better off uh you know running in and beating up, you know, Kevin Owens or something. Anyway. Or or you just maim Rey Mysterio somehow. That exactly. you just gets a match. <laughs> if you're gonna be if you're gonna be throwing if you're gonna be turning over cars in the parking lot, turn it over with like Dominic Mysterio in the car, you know? Like get it get a SummerSlam match out of this, you know? Anyway, we gotta there get out of here. Go. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, Kaz and, and John for being a part of this. Uh apologies as always to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. Tony Schiavone here on The Masked Man Show. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on The Masked Man Show. 